Hello, automotive enthusiasts. This is Mark Green. Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 703. Treat everyone you meet decently because you don't know their struggles. I mean, that sounds like a fortune cookie, but you know, it's that's it. That is it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Michael Paul Smith. Hey, Michael, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I certainly am. (laughs) All right. Great to have you here. Michael Paul Smith is a photographer who plays with model cars. His long career includes the advertising field, where he was an art director, a textbook illustrator, a newspaper editorial artist, a museum display designer, and a model maker, among the many things that he did during his career. And since retiring, Michael has created Elgin Park. It's a miniature town where he builds scenes using vintage model cars and buildings, of which he then photographs to create realistic images that go back in time. His 124-scale recreations are of everyday America from the mid-20th century, ranging from the 1920s to the mid-1960s. The details are absolutely incredible, and there's no Photoshop in use. This is all done through a lens with tabletop models. Very, very cool. Well, Michael, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career, what you're doing now in retirement, and your passion for automobiles? Ah, yes. What am I doing now? Um, I'm working on Elgin Park, basically, and um, my life has actually become fairly small, and so I have a lot of time to do research on uh, different eras and stuff like that from the 20th century, and uh, and also building my buildings. The cars themselves are actually die-cast cars that I bought, uh, although I occasionally will build one for myself. But the buildings themselves take about four weeks to, uh, you know, six weeks to detail them. I get a little carried away. <laughs> yes. But uh, so that's really what my days are made up of. And uh, it sounds like a luxury. It is. And at the same time, it's like, oh, you know, all I do is make little buildings and stuff. But anyway. <laughs> I'll let our listeners know in our pre-show chat, I found out about Michael online. I saw some video of this guy shooting these pictures that looked real. And all of a sudden, this giant hand comes in. I'm like, wait a minute. That isn't even a real scene. And you told me this morning you've had how many views now of your video? Uh, 91 million as of yesterday. 91 million views. Oh, my gosh. This is the power of social media and what's streaming and what's going on today. Ah, uh, man, I could only dream to have 91 million listeners here on Cars, yeah, so I've got a lot of catching up to do with you. We're going to learn more about what you're doing as we move along and continue on your automotive journey, but first, I like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life, and it's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah. Yes, so, Michael, uh, take the wheel. Well, there's actually three, if that's okay. Yes, think, absolutely. They're from my parents. They were just really wonderful people. Uh, the first one was, uh, my dad would always say, learn everything you can, read everything you can. He said, you know, you're going to use it in your life. And, you know, I was a little kid and going, what are you talking about, you know? But uh, it has stuck with me. And so I read and look at everything. And uh, and I've learned to have many, many jobs just because of that. Uh, wallpaper hanger and uh, bartender and mailman and whatever. And they've all come into play into building my little town. So the other one is, uh, another dadism, was, well, here we are, which means, you know, we're in a mess. 
stop complaining. We're just going to deal with it and just move on. And that's my God, you know, that's that's employers want to hear that. You want to hear that, you know, uh, you just forge ahead and, and work with what you have. And the last one is from my mother. I can still hear her saying it. The Italian lady. Stop complaining because no one wants to hear it. It's the same sort of dovetails with my dad. Yeah, so I don't whine, uh, you know, and uh, I'll go in the other room and whine by myself. But aside from that, but those are the three things that just any job that's put in front of me, it has gotten me through. Isn't it amazing how smart our parents were? If only we knew that when they were telling us these things, <laughs> instead of us thinking that we're the smart ones, but uh, instead we were just the smart Alex. But uh, yeah, well, those are great that you've carried those on with your life. And, you know, I think for a lot of listeners out there, I have a lot of guests on the show that are professional business people. I've had many people, though, that are retired, and once they hit retirement, they decided, I'm going to wrap my passion for cars into what I'm spending my time on every day, because that concept of retirement, of sitting on a beach every day of the rest of your life, it is fantasy, because you know what? After about a week, you get pretty darn bored of sitting. You know, it sounds nice, but you got to have something to wake up to and get excited about. So that's why I'm excited to have you on the show today. Great quotes from your parents. Let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you realized that you were going to be a car guy? Yeah, it was my uh, 13th birthday. AMT model three-in-one car kits. Uh, I guess a lot of people of a certain age know about those. And my dad got me the 62 um, Chevy Impala. And it was like, oh, here it is. I, I can build this. You know, It's like, oh, I had options and there were decals and all that. And it was almost physical. You know, getting this thing going, yeah. oh, my God. So uh, their destiny opened up for me. It, as hokey as that sounds, it's actually that, that's really what happened. So that's the pivotal moment. You know, I hear that with a lot of guests. It's either getting a toy car from somebody or a model or getting to hang around a brother or an uncle or a, a grandfather or a parent that was out in the garage and learning how to work on cars and things. But the stories are almost always the same. There's one little moment of time where that glimmer, that spark fires off, if you will, to use the car analogy. And. All of a sudden, the combustion chamber starts to fill, and boom, you're off. So uh, very nice. Well, Michael, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk a little bit about a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your life and your career. You've done a lot of different things. Oh, yes. You worked in the creative field, which interests me because I did that for many, many years. Would you share a story? Take us to that painful time, walk us through, but then tell us what it taught you so that you could move forward and gain even more momentum in your career. The biggest one, and I didn't know it at the time, but it really was the biggest challenge is when I was in high school, because I was beat up, I was the nerd, you know, whatever and all that. So uh, my guidance counselor, at, in, when I was in seniors, came, sat me down and said, I'm looking at your record here. And, and she said, you have no talent. You know, you should just go. Gee, to the thank you for the motivation, teacher. <laughs> Holy cow. And she, really, and she said it that she didn't say it mean or anything. I mean, it was just that was her assessment. I'm, I'm thinking she doesn't know who I am, but that's OK. And that's a hard thing to hear when you were you know 15 years old uh, yeah and uh i didn't take it to heart but it's sort of it's sort of a was a ghost a phantom um voice that was always around you know in some ways now that it didn't stop me doing my own stuff and i'm a recluse too even when i was a kid there are five siblings in my family but it was a tight packed family so any personal time you know i just do what i what interests me so her little voice of you have no talent was like, ram, 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 ram. so that's why I didn't show anybody my stuff. I mean, oh. for years and years and years, oh, wow. but, but it didn't stop me internally. So that's the biggest challenge. Well, it isn't it crazy that you went on to work in the creative field. I mean, you were an art director. You'd created <laughs> things. You, 
I mean, it, you know, what's really sad to me about this, and I learned this fact about my father not too long ago, and he's 84. When he was in high school, he went to a high school dance, and one of the teachers that was there to chaperone, because this was back in the late 40s, 50s, told him, you really can't dance. And he never danced again. And he said, you know, just like you, what, what struck me when you said that was this voice in his head, you can't dance, you can't dance, you can't. And he said much, much later in life, wasn't until he was like in his 70s, all of a sudden he went, screw that, I can dance. <laughs> what, what was she talking So these adults that plant these seeds in our brains need to be aware that those seeds don't just go away. They they grow and they germinate and they, they restrict us. Well, how did you overcome that terrible teacher's <laughs> advice? And she's a counselor. Oh, my gosh. A counselor makes me wonder. Yeah, how did, how did you overcome that so that you could move into a creative field? Because Otherwise, I don't see how you get a job as a creative director. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that there's kind of a little side thing is that another quote from my mom, though, she said, I would fall in a pile of manure and come out with a new suit. And, uh, <laughs> and I just had I just have that about me. I mean, I just I guess I brought it with me when I was born or something like that. And that was really uh, I never really thought about it. But opportunities always came to me one way or another in, in the oddest things. And uh, I'd go, okay, I can, I think I can do that and, and would try it. And, uh, and, and so little by little, but I mean, it was a long, you know, a yeah. little by little kind of thing. Right. So I was building up internal. I guess I was more internal than external. So that's where it was, all that gumption came from inside. I don't, yeah. again, I, I guess I brought that with me because I am really a shy person. You have no idea <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Well, it's great that you're here with me today. I appreciate it because a lot of people that come on as guests are a little nervous about interviews. I think we're having a great talk here as we move through. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when uh, kind of those headlights come on and, and illuminate a new path for you to go down a new roadway. And tell us how you turn that aha moment into a success. Uh, the, my proudest moment, aha moment, well, I guess when I put started putting my stuff on the web, then I was aware that uh, people were interested in it. But that was actually very nice because there was this distance, you know, the, the web and I'm sitting in my place and people around the world looking at this stuff. Right. But the phys- the real physical aha moment was I was approached by the Museum of Art and Design in New York City. And they said, you, we are having an exhibit. We'd like to show your work. And they said, please come down and, and talk to us. And I got there, and they don't know me, and I don't know them and all that, so I had no preconceived ideas. But then my first question to the director was, why did you choose me? You know, And he right. says, because nobody else does this. That was the aha moment. I mean, mm. and here I heard it from somebody who you want to hear it from. Well, yeah. And I went, I guess I can do this now. And uh, that was wonderful. And, and from that was a, a – everything stemmed from that. I, I gave a talk at the New York Public Library. I mean, that was my first public speaking engagement. <laughs> wow. Well, that's something coming from someone who tends to be on the shy side because the biggest fear of shy people is speaking in public, usually. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I went back to my hotel room and slept for two days. I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it does wear me. I mean, it just absolutely uses every, everything. Yeah. So, uh, so there was the recognition and there's some other stuff. I don't know if you want me to go down that road, but, uh. Well, you know, what's really neat about this is it's almost the flip side of what that counselor told you. Someone said, you're the only one that does it. Yeah. You know, and people are interested. And we'll mention this at the beginning or the end of our talk, but where can listeners go to see what we're talking about? Do you have a YouTube page? No, I, I have a Flickr page. Flickr, uh, okay. And uh, although people have made 
there was a film about me too that was made two years ago that is on YouTube, okay. just called Elgin Park. But uh, okay, but the uh, Flickr is is me. Just type in uh, Flickr and Michael Paul Smith and. I'm yeah. like fly dirt, as my dad would say. I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. You're, every, you're like Johnny Cash. You've been everywhere, man. So <laughs> very, very cool. Well, I love this. And, uh, you know, what's really great is a, a shy guy who's retired and just sitting at home and playing with model cars and buildings all of a sudden has 91 million people watching what you're doing. And I keep seeing your, your video pop up on my Facebook feed because I'm very involved in the car industry and people will go check this out. Just this morning, I got up and one of my Facebook followers said, check this out, Mark. And I said, yeah, I'm interviewing him today. And he's like, what? Are you kidding oh me? God, oh ask him this. Ask him that. So very, very cool. Well, how about proudest? career moments is there one that stands out for you that you could share um it was it was very subtle and it was uh when i first put my stuff on Flickr, and somebody called me who wanted to use my work uh for their advertising and and i was like i didn't want to get into but he this person actually passed it on to somebody who is a name out in the advertising thing. And when he called and asked me to that, I, I burst into tears. And I mean, <laughs> again, a quiet moment by myself late at night and stuff yeah. like that on the phone with this person. But it, it was like, yeah, it was like we just said, vindication of uh, my guidance counselors. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't you wish you could send her an email? Hey, look at me now, baby. A nice one, though, and say, you well, know. Well, of course. Yeah. Just so you know. Right. Yeah, I did make it after all. And, uh, you know, that, that little seed you planted in my head has not been happy, but I just got rid of it. So it's dead. very it's nice. That's very cool. Well, let's go back in time again here and talk about your first really special car and maybe share a memory you have with that vehicle. Uh, well, I, I had enough money to buy a 1973 Volkswagen Super Beetle. Uh, I had all my dad's hand-me-down Valiants, which were really great and stuff like that. Very durable cars. But I bought it my own, uh, and it was $3,000. And I had white walls put on it, you know, and fender skirts. And I was like, wow. And it gave me mobility. It got me out of the house. And I would drive anywhere. People would put their thumb out and say, ride me to New York City, because I lived in Boston. I said, sure, you know. So, yeah, it was a special car. No heat. You know how Volkswagens are, you know, bad and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was my car. And uh, I took care of it twice a year, had it, you know, re- whatever, whatever they do. The valves adjusted and the oil change. That's pretty much all you had to do to a VW. Oh, my God. Even I probably could have done it. So that was an incredibly special car. And I had a radio. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, that was high living. So, um. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I had a Carmen Ghia when I was in high school. Oh, so same difference, nice. same car, same engine in the back pretty much. Just a little more sleeker. It was my poor man's Porsche. Yes, yes, yes. But, uh, <laughs> my sister had a 73 VW Beetle, so I'm very familiar with those because I helped her tune that up all the time and oh, yeah, keep it going. So, yep, definitely. Well, that's what you have in Southern California when you're a kid back in the 70s. So, <laughs> sure, sure. Well, how about a car that you've owned that you've let go? Is there one that got away that you really wish you had back? Yes, my 51 Studebaker four-door champion. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it was uh and it wasn't it was it was a good solid car. It wasn't beautiful. I mean, it didn't have dings or anything. It was it was nicely maintained and stuff. And because I can't work on cars, I am me- mechanically just inept. I mean, you have no idea. But uh so I would just drive around in it, you know, and just it's all that ambiance, that smell of uh, wool interior and gasoline and oil and, you know, the, the radio dial and the, the glowed. Um, yep. 
Oh, and I still dream about it. I seriously <laughs> still dream about that car. I, it's, it's, it's a gut thing. It's all in my chest. You know, that emotion of everybody who has a special car, you know, you know that yeah, feeling. Yeah. Now, the Studebaker is pretty, pretty unique. Very cool cars, too. Lance Lambert, who's been a guest on my show, is a Studebaker fan. So he's smiling right now. Hopefully he's listening. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about this entire process. The way I understand it is you create these, not diorama, but these models of little pieces of Americana towns, street corners, storefronts. You have the model cars you bring in, and then you photograph them in a way with an outdoor background that they look absolutely real. And the amount of detail that you put into, you talk about research. So kind of walk us through how you first think of what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Walk us through the whole process. Uh, The first thing is uh, getting an inspiration. And that usually just comes out of the blue. I'll wake up one morning and say, you know, I'm going to do a street scene, 1920s. So I go online and, and I actually have internalized a lot of American culture inside me. So there's stuff that's fairly intuitive at this point. But I will go online and look at photographs from that era using 1920s as a, an example and, and just see what's all around. Not necessarily the cars, but, you know, you know, telephone poles were different. The wires were different. There's little subtle changes that you don't really basically notice and stuff like that. So those, I, I make note of that. And then uh, I will build... A, a building, um, fairly, well, they're detailed, but they're not that detailed. Believe it or not, if you saw them in real life, they look very toy-like, but, but I know that they photograph beautifully. It, you just keep the camera a certain distance away. And I have to put in here right now that I am not a professional photographer. My camera is on automatic all the time. I mean, I just, I don't know what else it does. I just, <laughs> just click that button. But anyway, so uh, when I get the idea, say it's uh, some Model T's in front of a a grocery store or something, I'll, I'll do mock-ups of it on my kitchen table because that's where I do all my work, all handheld tools. And, uh, and I'll start playing with it, you know, what looks good and I, uh, what looks authentic. And uh, if you look at old photographs, people did not park their cars well. You know, there's, <laughs> uh, there's schmutz on the street, you know, or, you know, telephone poles lean and all that. And so those are the little things that I tweak and all that. Right. And then when I finally get up, uh, up enough nerve, because I get anxious, I shouldn't be saying this on, but I get anxious every time I do a photograph because maybe my last photo was the best, you know. Oh, yeah, you got to one up your last best uh, yeah. piece of work. So that's my guidance counselor. She's still oh, alive. Oh, man, I got to get rid of her. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'll, I'll figure that out. And I have to, I don't have a car at this point. Uh, that's a long story. But anyway, so I, uh, I can walk around my neighborhood and I've I have to have everything condensed down into that can be packaged. You know, the cars that I use, the buildings, and then I put it on my table, collapsible table and all the props, and I put it on a baggage cart. I mean, I am the typical <laughs> old guy walking around with the, you know. I'm sure the people in your channel goes, there's Michael again, there wheeling goes. his shopping cart down the street to take a picture. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the cops will stop me occasionally and say, what do you do? And you're making people nervous. You know, it's like, oh, come on. I had two helicopters land about 100 feet away from me during one photo shoot, and they stayed there the whole time. I'm thinking, you know, I held up my car saying, it's not a bomb. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. How crazy. It was weird. It was just. Wow. But anyway, so I go out, and there is a a method. Uh, um, method to your madness? <laughs> I, well, that, that too. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this technique was used in the 1920s. 
uh, in films because they couldn't do pro- uh, big scenes and stuff like that. So they would get a building and have the actor, a model, and then have an actor stand a certain distance away. Oh, so the depth of field makes it absolutely. look like it's all accurate, compressed into one absolutely. field. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And and I, I internalized that for some reason. I don't know the mechanics behind it again, I'm sorry to say. Uh, but I will... I will have to look for a background that doesn't have a lot of contemporary stuff in there. Sure. And, and it's usually a very narrow range. So anyway, I set up my, my table and my model with this background and, uh, and I, and I shoot, but I have to keep my camera at the height of what a 124th scale person would be at their head. So it's about two inches off the, the, the model base. Okay. And so I'm always getting that point of view, anything else just throws the magic off. I mean, so, and it's, I, again, I've internalized it. And I'll only work for about a half an hour because after that I overthink it mm. and second guess myself. And, you know, and then people start looking around, asking around and like, oh, I get nervous. And I hope for the best. That's how the process works. Now, you said that you use die cast model cars. So most of your cars are pre made cars you bring into the scenes, but the entire backgrounds. And as I've looked at a lot of what you've done, I mean, the, the detail work is really phenomenal because when I first saw this, I went, Oh, looks like something out of the 40s. And then all of a sudden I see this hand come in like Godzilla, you know, picking and I'm like, what is going on here? And then I went, Oh my gosh, nothing's real. I mean, it's real, but it's not real. And, but the background is the trees or whatever you use as a backdrop for your scene. So I think that paints a pretty good picture for our listeners out there of this process. And of course, you just have to go to his Flickr page and I'll have links on. Uh, Michael Shono's page here at the Karja website so you can click and find if you haven't already seen it if you're not one of the 91 million who've already looked at this <laughs> um, you can get a little taste and flair for how these things are created but I think it's just absolutely uh, spectacular what you're doing and what about the future do you have some new things in mind this year where you're thinking of doing something completely different I mean will Godzilla Godzilla show up in, right. in one of your images <laughs> Actually, that's a good question because I keep thinking I'm going to run out of ideas for Elgin Park, you know, in the mid 20th century. Uh, I've been slow, off and on, been sneaking Robbie the Robot in there. So there is sort of this ongoing Robbie the Robot and uh, space uh, was it Lost in Space B9 robot. So there's stuff that's starting to hint, you know, it could happen. Also, I'm, I'm in love with the George Jetson era, which was only five years, you know, it was like 59 through 63, 64, if you want to push it and stuff like that. So there's all new architecture out there and, and, um, ooh, lots to do. Yeah. Lots to do. Now, where did the name Elgin Park come from? Oh man, this is one of those embarrassing questions. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm making sort of making up a story here because I don't know actually where it came from. It, I was thinking Midwest, you know, a town. Well, the town that I grew up in is Swickley, Pennsylvania. It's one square mile. I mean, it is looks like Walt Disney designed it, Victorian houses, you know, and uh, everybody knew everybody kind of thing. And uh, and that's what inspired me. Swickley is right next next to Pittsburgh, sort of the gateway to the Midwest. But I wanted something more Midwest, where you know morals are good and stuff like that. But I don't. I'm not getting on my soapbox here. I have a checkered past. Let me tell you, <laughs> I probably would not be a resident of uh, Elgin Park. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it just kind of popped in my head. And Elgin was always around when I was a kid. There were Elgin watches. Or the, the street sweeper was an Elgin Pelican. Uh, we had an Elgin brand food. So and I, it just has a nice cadence to yeah. it. And yeah. I said park you know oh yeah there you go it sounds like it was planned yeah no it does it's very nice so uh yeah that's the inside scoop for you listeners here on cars yeah <laughs> and that's my story and i'm sticking to it. there you go always stick to your story well michael if you were a car what kind of car would michael be and why 
1961 Plymouth Fury. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Why Why a Plymouth Fury? Because <laughs> it's like the Avanti. Nothing looked like it. You know, I mean, it was just the odd duck, and yet it had flair. It was, I guess, it in some ways, I probably per- perceived myself as the odd duck, you know, uh-huh. and uh, and inside I knew I had flair, you know, and all that stuff. But everybody just saw an ugly car. Bite uh, that counselor, darn her! Absolutely, <laughs> and uh, but. Uh, yeah, and they never went anyplace. You know, it just happened, and it was an era defined that actually never happened. And it, even every time I see one of those cars, I just get weak. <laughs> Very cool. Good. Well, I'm glad you put some thought to that. You're, I think you're the first Plymouth Fury here, so okay. that makes you unique and special, So, uh, which you are. So I like that. Yeah, wipe the brow. Well, it's Michael, a- <laughs> up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit drive toward a cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance, coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Okay, Michael, we are back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers, or snaps of the camera in your case. Are you ready? Okay. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, that was from my uh, mechanic who worked on my Studebaker who said, don't touch this car. You're going to wreck it. I mean, that- <laughs> Thank you for your vote of confidence. <laughs> no, but uh, he saved me a lot of time and money. Yeah, gotta- always best to find the experts and let them do their job. That's for sure. <laughs> now, how about a personal habit? Uh, do you have one that you think has contributed to your success? Yes. And that's from, again, my mother, love my parents, uh, clean up as you go along. I mean, absolutely. You're making models. You need a clean surface and you know where everything is. I mean, mm, yeah, it's it's the same with mechanics. You know, you go into a mechanic shop and and there's one where things are orderly and put away. I kind of have a little more confidence that 
right. person's going to be a little more careful with my car <laughs> versus a socket laying on the ground or something like that. So now I'm going to resource. There's a lot of great resources out there, but is there one that you like? Uh, dumpster diving and uh, dumpster diving. Okay. <laughs> it does relate to my my hobby here uh, because uh, if materials are expensive. Uh, you go to art store, you know, and you ask permission. You can I dumpster dive, and you know I get all this material, things that are ninety bucks. You know, okay, how, how, you know, I was, I was thinking there was a website called dumpsterdiving.com, but oh, you're no, no. you're actually oh, jumping in the dumpster. So okay, oh, yeah, I'm physically in there, you know. Oh, okay, it's amazing what you can find. It's just amazing. So yes, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I laugh because when I was a kid, my my neighbor buddy and I would go around and scrounge through people's garbage and find cool stuff. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm almost embarrassed to say. It. But we'd find the coolest stuff for our fort, you know, I mean, displays and couch and chairs and pillows and all sorts of stuff. Sometimes they didn't smell so good, but uh, and your kid doesn't matter. Your kid doesn't matter. Yeah, you just live with it. So we had a cool fort, though. I I do know that. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would it be? Virgil Exner. Virgil Exner. Chrysler and Dudebaker. Yes, the designer for Chrysler Corporation. Yeah. Different again, different you know, different drummer. Uh, yeah, nothing looks like his stuff anymore. I mean, or ever did. I mean, it was just. Uh, I yeah. just think he was visionary. I hope he's a nice person. I don't know. I've, been, I've never met him, but I would just love to talk to him. That would be pretty darn cool. We lost him in the seventies, I think it was. Quite an amazing designer. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think the car listeners should read as well? <laughs> this sounds kind of geeky, and I thought about this for a while. There are actually three. You can give me three. We love okay. books here. Okay, the first one is by Doris Lessing. Uh, she's a British author. Uh, she did a series called Shikasta, and it really is a reimagining, but with a lot of stuff based in fact and stuff like that, of the history of humanity, but millions of years and not as a primitive. I mean, there's... She has delved into, you know, civilizations that were advanced and, you know, that have left whatever. And so she has created this series for volumes of what it was like in a way and beautifully written. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah this, this, this feels right. Uh, the second one is by Beryl Markham. She was an aviatrix in uh, 1930, and she was the first woman to fly across the Atlantic at night uh, by herself in 1930. Wow. And the, the airplane was built with the with her sitting in it, but uh, the gas tanks were built around her and in the wings. And oh, my gosh. Uh, and she and she had a flashlight and a compass, and it was pitch black. And it, the, the book is stunning only because you get to – she tells about her early life. She was raised in Africa, and she would do lion hunting at 10 years old. I mean, she just had this remarkable life. So It's interesting that her name is not as prevalent as Amelia Earhart, which we all know about. I mean, to do that at night in the 30s, holy cow. And she made it, too. I mean, she made it across, you know, with that. Yeah. And, uh, but the third one is, and this is really a guilty pleasure, but I got to tell you, I've read this book five times only because it's just so delicious and, and, and well thought out. It's called Wicked. It's the, the backstory of the Wicked Witch of the West, but it's not a kid's book. I mean, it is, there's got some, some bits in it and yeah. stuff like that, but you go, yeah, and you'll never watch Wizard of Oz again. You know? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, well, three great books. I re- appreciate you recommending those. And listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Michael's been so kind to share on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website at carsyeah.com. Just type Michael Paul Smith into the search bar or Michael and that name, his page will pop right up and you can find links. There's another great place on the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books under the Resources tab. And all the past 700-plus guest books are listed there for quick, easy clicks to buy. Some really fantastic resources there for 
those who love to read yes. or listen to audiobooks. All right, Michael, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question okay. can be a real doozy. <laughs> Since you don't have a car, and I think you're the only, you're the second person I've had on this show that does not have a car, which is kind of interesting compared to what you do in your your passion, but we won't even get into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, quite interesting. But if you could have one very cool collector car, I'll park anything you'd like in your garage. Money is no object. Mm-hmm. What would that vehicle be and why? Uh, 1963 Chrysler Turbine. Uh, my God, <laughs> with no with the regular tires, not still belted radials. I mean, I want that, you know, that those tires. The old bias ply. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, different. I followed, even as a kid, I followed that production of it. And also they had uh, earlier turbine versions, you know, that didn't, weren't in that body style and all that. So it was just really fascinating. Also, when uh, that car was making the rounds in the malls uh, back in the early 60s, my dad took me to see it. And I almost fainted. And it was like, there it is. And they gave everybody a 124th scale model of it and i still have it so oh how nice is that and you know, i'll tell you i had a guest on the show a couple months ago that lived in detroit and had a neighbor that actually got to drive that oh. car home so he drove it down in front of his house when he was a little kid and it's like oh my gosh there it is everybody was chasing him down the street sure. i got sure. to see the uh the original one on the lawn at pebble beach when they brought out some prototype cars one year from chrysler rather so uh fantastic nice nice choice well I'll get to work, see what I can do about getting that car for you. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That would be great. Well, then you can uh, take your Chrysler Turbine and nobody will notice what you're doing, right? That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Totally stealth. Well, Michael, you've taken us on an awesome ride today and I've really enjoyed learning more about you and about what you're doing. I want to thank you for sharing your fun automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Yes, retirement does not have to be boring. It can be absolutely spectacular. Please give us uh, one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the road in that 63 Chrysler turbine. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't know why I'm hesitating. A little voice in the back of my head again. But anyway, uh, (laughs) and and I truly feel this is heartfelt uh, that treat everyone you meet decently because you don't know their struggles. I mean, that sounds like a fortune cookie, but, you know, it's that's it. That is it. Yeah. You know, I wish uh, this day and age with all the strife we seem to be going through right now with political upheaval and things that everybody would have that thought process in their mind. We can disagree. We can uh, uh, we can yeah. debate. We can discuss. But you can do it politely. You can do it kindly. And yeah, you're right. You don't know what kind of struggles people are facing in their life every day. So for goodness sakes, just be nice. <laughs> it's not right. It's not hard. My mom says it's not hard to be nice. You know? It isn't that hard, but oh my gosh, there's just too many people in the world that haven't figured that one out. I guess they didn't have the great parents you and I had. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, Elgin Park, and see what you're doing? Um, Flickr, uh, Flickr.com. It's spelled F-L-I-C-K-R, badly spelled, but anyway, .com, and just type in Michael Paul Smith. Also, on YouTube, people have made a number of videos of my work, cobbled things together. But there's also a short film called Elgin Park that was made two years ago that uh, actually won numerous awards in the short film uh, competitions. I had no idea. So, uh, And they're sending you royalty checks every week, I assume, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's fine. It's actually, uh, and I just want to throw that in there. It's, uh, I don't make any money at all of the, from this, my quirky hobby. And that's perfectly all right. It's really about inspiring people. That's what we're doing here in Cars Yeah, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. And you are definitely an inspiring automotive enthusiast for those inspiring automotive enthusiasts who are listening to us today. So 
Again, listeners, you can find links to everything. I'll put links on Michael's show notes page on the Cars yeah website, and you can check these out. I would encourage you to see what he's doing. You're going to be fascinated. You're just going to go, wow. And I hope that it does inspire you to get out there and do something fun and creative with your life. Michael, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your story with me and the Cars yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road in Elgin Park. Very good. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.